Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to this podcast, which is an abridged version of the television interview that I did with Dame Joan Collins as part of my In Conversation series for W. This podcast is brought to you by UKTV Play, the free on-demand service. Tonight, I'm going to be in conversation with a true legend. As an actress, she has appeared in nearly 100 films. As an author, she sold over 50 million copies of her books. And she was also the star of one of the biggest TV series ever. Tonight, I'm going to be in conversation with Dame Joan Collins. Thank you so much for doing this. Well, I had so much fun with you last time. Yeah, we met when I did a week on the, the nightly show. That's right. It was interesting for me because it was the first time I'd met you. I was just struck, like I think most people are when they meet you for the first time, is that you, you carry yourself as a star. You've been a star so much of your life. But also, you know, without, without trying to... Um, Suck up to you too much. Oh, go on, suck up. <laughs> it's class. You carry yourself in a way that goes right back, I think, possibly to when you first entered show business, where as a young starlet, you were almost told, not told, taught how to be a star rather than just turn up and be it on screen. Sure, absolutely. I mean, uh, not only studio system, not only... 20th Century Fox, where I, I went under contract when I was 20, but I went to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art when yeah. I just turned 16, and not only did they teach you um, acting and posture and projection, but they also... Um, we did lessons in deportment. We walked around a lot with books on our head. We were told to keep our shoulders back. Um, as individuals, not for characters we played. But for you to, to enter it, what was the, what was the starting point? Because you, your father represented actors and actresses yes. and was in the theatre world. Was that yes. the thing that drew you to it or was there, was there something else that made you want to do it? I think it was um, my uh, grandmother, who, was a, um, who had been a, a quite a well-known uh, soubrette. And, in fact, she used to go around... Um, South Africa, the Capes of South Africa yeah. during the Boer War with her two sisters singing and dancing and entertaining the troops. So they all rather encouraged me when I said, you know, that I wanted to sing and dance. And at Christmas parties that we used to have in our flats when, you know, the bombs weren't dropping, um, people would sing and dance and we had people there who would entertain us and... Um, then they would say, come on, Joan, give us a song. And so I'd get up and show off. And um, from there, I think I then got 
totally involved in going to movie musicals, which were huge at that time. I mean, Gene Kelly, Judy Garland, Frank Sinatra, Fred Astaire, Sid Charisse, all those wonderful people. And from seeing that, I think the germ started to germinate uh, of acting. And um, But you've just, like, you've just named the roll call of, of names that, in everyone's mind, you know, they... they they conjure up Hollywood at that time. Yes. But within a very short period of watching them, you were there in Hollywood rubbing shoulders with them. Well, sure. I mean, yes, 12 or 13 years later from watching them in movies at 8 or 9 or yeah. 10, and I was in Hollywood at 20. Again, this was one of the things that... When, when I've, I've read stuff about you in the, the, that period of your life, and you are literally going the other side of the world. Like, going to L.A. then was not like oh. nipping on a single flight and going no. over. No. It was a huge decision to go. I really... Um, I wanted to be an actress. I'd done about 12 or 15 films in England. I'd become quite popular in England. Uh, but I felt that I wasn't being stretched in any way. It, they were all what I call juvenile delinquent parts or bad girls or, you know, little hookers gone off the beaten track. And um, when I was offered this huge contract, well, it wasn't that huge at first, it, um, my father said, you can't go there under contract for that amount of money. You will just be another pretty face in the millions of pretty, uh, the dozens of pretty faces that all the studios had. Mm. In those days, they put under contract um, pretty girls and pretty boys, good-looking boys, uh, and it took them a long time to make it, and they paid them very little money. So I said to my um, agent, who I had another agent by that time, his name was John Shepridge, and he, he said, oh, you know, we've got this offer for you, 500 a week, and I said the words of my father, you can't go there for $500 a week. You have to ask for twelve fifty. And so I very relaxed. I said, I have to have $1,250 a week. He said, that's ridiculous. You'll never get that. I said, fine, then I won't go. Because I had a boyfriend um, in, in Europe at that time. And I had my family. And um, I was doing okay. I was, I didn't, you know, I didn't know. I thought, if I get this huge amount of money, then the studio will take me seriously and they'll put me... They won't just yeah. put me, as they had done with Marilyn Monroe ten years previously, just in teeny bit parts for years and years and years because they weren't paying her very much. So because I held out for this amount of money, I got in the plane and I went to Hollywood knowing nobody, nobody except the makeup man from The Land of the Pharaohs, this film that I'd done, and within two weeks, I was put into one of the leading roles in The Virgin Queen with Betty Davis, yeah. within two weeks. So, and within six months after that, I was put into the lead role in The Girl in the Red Velvet Swing. And honestly, it all happened so fast and so easily that I didn't really think anything of it. It was like falling off a log. Yeah, it was a hell of a log, though, I knew it? it was a hell of a log. And when I look back, I think, oh, my God. It really was some ride that I really quite took for granted. Within the first 
two weeks I was there, I was invited to all the big parties in Hollywood that the big studio heads gave every Saturday night because I was the new young girl in town. And word gets around when there's a new young girl in town. Well, if there's, if there's a way of defining that you were the new young girl in town, the part in The Velvet yeah. Swing, yeah. you talk, or it was, it was originally going to be Marilyn Monroe. Yes, it was. But, I mean, that, uh, but, but because she was a little bit older. Yeah, she was, uh, yeah, she said she, she was too old for it. Because the girl was 17 that I played. It was a real life story. So, how, yeah. did, how did you find out that she was originally up for the part? She told me at a party at Gene Kelly's house. <laughs> Sorry, can we say that sentence again? <laughs> I don't know how many series I'm going to do with this show, but no one will come out with a sentence like that. I know I hate name dropping, but, but you ask me. Yeah, but you know, that's not name dropping. That's that's what I mean. That's the world you were in, and, and just that sentence that you've said sums it up, really, doesn't it? I, I I guess it does. Yes, yes, because I was at the I was at this party at Jean's house, and I'd become part of his group, which was rather nice. So I met all these wonderful people. They were all quite a bit older than me and, and very intellectual, uh, which I was not. And so I was invited. They were all playing some incredibly complicated game in the main sitting room. And, and so I went to the bar and there was this girl sitting there. Uh, she looked a bit lonely like I was. And um, she started talking to me and I realized it was Marilyn Monroe. And um, she said, she actually said, she said they wanted me to play in The Girl in the Red Velvet Swing, but I was too old. And that's when I realised it was her, actually. It didn't look like her. Uh, it did when you look closer, but Marilyn, she's absolutely fascinating even today. I mean, yeah. what, 50 years after she's dead? I mean, I still read amazing things about her. And she's one of the most fascinating and beautiful people, I think, on the screen ever. And, very tortured, tormented person, sadly. You were there in Hollywood, and it's during this time when you're, you know, you're in the studios, you're in the system, and then you meet Anthony Newley. I finished my contract in 62. Yeah. So I went to England, I did this picture with Bob Hope and Bing Crosby, and that's when I met, um, during that time, I met uh, Tony, Anthony Newley. Yeah. And shortly, and by that time, I was like 28, and I really, really wanted to have a child. It was that time when I, every time I passed a pram, I would look and go, "Oh, baby, beautiful baby." I still do, actually. I love babies, and but I wanted uh, some of my own. Yeah. So I did. Yeah. Which I... is really kind of interesting if you say, if you think about it, because I, I want to be an actress. And I became an actress. I, I didn't necessarily want to be a star, but I did. I made quite a lot of money, not that much money, because my business manager, we don't go there. Uh, but anyway, I couldn't afford to buy a house or anything like that, or even any furniture. So I finished Hollywood. I had nothing except the clothes on my back. I didn't even have any jewellery. And then I met Tony, and we got married, and I had two children. I had two under two. Have you ever had two under two? Yeah. That's <laughs> pretty difficult, we, 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 yeah. had, we had three at one point under four, which oh. was just a nightmare because you haven't got enough hands. Yeah, I know. You know when you're going out, so yeah. you're all, you have to pick which yeah, one you're prepared to gamble with because yeah. you can hold hands with the other two. Yeah. 
And also it's so dangerous because you have to keep, they're just all over the place. They're like little oh. bugs there. You think they're there and the next thing they're there. At that time, you know, because in many respects, you are one of the people who changed the way uh, female actresses were, were perceived. Mm. Uh, you know, you could carry on being an actress after you were 24, 25. Mm -hmm, yeah. You could carry on being an actress after you've become a mother and so on. Yeah. But at that time when you became a mother, do you think, that's me now, I'm, I'm, I'm finished with the acting, that's oh, what yeah. I'm going to be, sure. a homemaker. I was finished with me, Yeah. you know? But in Hollywood at that time, by the time you were 30, you were finished. They weren't interested, you know, unless you were, you know, Betty Davis or Joan Crawford or one of those grand dames. No, and besides, I, I didn't want to work. You know, my husband was very successful, uh, you know, in the theatre. And, um, and I, you know, was with my children, full-on, hands-on mum for several years. And what was the change? I got bored. <laughs> when they started to, when uh, Sasha, my my youngest, went to school, uh, preschool, when he was like uh, two and a half or three, whatever, and I thought, what am I going to do? I'm in this huge house in Beverly Hills. Uh, Tony, by that time, was a movie star, and he was uh, starring in all kinds of films. We were entertaining. We had parties. Shall I drop some more names? Yes, please do. <laughs> We had parties with, you know, Peter Sellers, Albert Finney, Dudley Moore, all that English group, Julie Andrews, Leslie Brickus. They were, um, you know, we had parties all the time. I'll never forget, for I threw Tony a 35th birthday party, his party, and he was quite a big star by then. And there was a whole host of, you know, people. There was Sammy Khan, who was a fantastic lyricist and writer, and, and Milton Berle and Barbara Streisand. And Barbara sang this song, you know, she's famous for singing People. And she sang the song of People with, and instead of people, she sang Tony, people who need Tony. And she sang at his feet. And something went through my head. I thought, do you think something's going on with those two? And I said it to my girlfriend of mine, and she said, God, no, that couldn't possibly be. No, I mean, she's married. I said, this is Hollywood, that doesn't mean anything. And uh, I'm married too. Anyway, it turns out, and I didn't find it at the time, that, you know, many years later, she did admit to having had an affair with him, and he told my son, Sasha, that he had had an affair with her. I don't know whether it was at that time or whether it was after we were separated, yeah. but it certainly happened. And he wrote a song for her. He never bloody wrote a song for me. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by UK TV Play, the free on-demand service, where you can watch the TV shows you love from Dave, Yesterday, Really and Drama, wherever you want, whenever you want. The home of BAFTA-nominated series Taskmaster and the critically acclaimed Red Dwarf alongside other UK TV Play exclusive, including The White Princess and Most Haunted. UK TV Play offers free access to thousands of hours of comedy, drama, documentaries and paranormal TV, all for free. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, so you, you, you said that there was a period where you were with Tony and you thought things weren't right. Obviously, Barbara Streisand singing at his feet it might have been an indication. Well, not only that. He, we, he made a movie called... Can Anonymous Merkin Never Forget Mercy Hump and Find True Happiness? Did you ever see that little wonderful uh, one? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a kind of autobiographical film yeah. in which um, Tony played this man called Anonymous Merkin who has an insatiable lust for young girls. And it was a, a sort of rather avant-garde ahead of its time. But when I saw it and I saw Tony with all these different girls doing different things, uh, I realised, and singing, you know, that he could never be faithful to any woman, and uh, I realised that um, this marriage was not going to last. So I took the children and uh, I went back to England, as one does. Yeah. <laughs> Tony really hurt me a lot in our marriage yeah. because he went... He spent 10 years in Vegas. It ruined his career doing that. He just gave up his career as a, an actor and just went to the Las Vegas route, which is every night. And he insulted me every night in his act. He said the most disgusting things about me. And, of course, he came back to me and um, what, he took my children away from me for a while. What was his act? The singing. Yeah. Yeah, ent yeah, entertaining. And in that chat, he found space to insult you, too. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, I never saw it. I just know. And I heard some of the things he said. I wouldn't want to repeat them, but they were vile. And, you know, after having had two children and being married for five or six years, it's not necessary uh, for a cheap joke. Anyway. It's over. It's past. Unfortunately, he's... So is he. Yeah. But, but did you forgive him for that? Yes. Because I understand you were I there did. when he, when he did when he I'm did I'm very pass. forgiving. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, because of my children, because of Sasha and Tara, they really wanted, and when they knew that Tony was, had, you know, uh, cancer and, you know, it was terminal, of course I forgave him. But uh, that's, a, that's a, a strong quality to have. When, as you talk about it, you know, being insulted publicly, he took your children away from you for a bit, he challenged you and all the way. It, it, it's, a, it's a big thing to not hate. Do you know what I mean? To not go, OK, I'll succumb to that and give you just hate back. Yeah. 
I just, you know, I think one of the reasons that I look the way I do is that I don't have venom in my soul. I don't hate. Yes, I do. When I read some abominable thing that somebody has done to somebody in the papers, yeah. you know, I will hate that. But I try to live as simple a life as I possibly can in terms of my feelings and my attitudes and my friends. Um, people can be very hurtful, but um, I can be, you know, I can be considered a bitch because I think I can be quite witty, and wit often is bitchiness. So um, I have been considered to be. But also, wit, wit is a defence mechanism, isn't it? Because oh. you, you can parry things off with wit yeah, and pretend it doesn't hurt to the same extent. Yeah, but it's also a way of being a good uh, dinner guest. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so you married, you married Ron, Ron Cass, and as you say, you, you have uh, your third child. There was a period of time when you were married to Ron that was the happiest in, in terms of being a mum, being with your kids, there was a period of real, what you dreamt being in a, a mum and a family was. Yeah, and I also had three stepchildren from his marriage, so I had, there were six children under the age of 12. Mm. So I was a mother to oh six children at this time. And um, it was a challenge sometimes, because I also, wanted to work. Um, my sister had written this book called Stud and um, she said, you know, I thought of you when I wrote it because I called the character Fontaine. Yeah. And, you know, there's a Joan Fontaine, so on. And uh, so she gave me the rights and I went around as the producer and I got the, got the, got somebody to put money in it and we made the, we made the Stud, which was very successful and sort of put me back into not main, well, yeah becoming a bit of a movie star again. Oh, mm, li yeah. listen, let, let, let's... The stud. <laughs> I recall the posters for it, I recall the excitement, not only for the stud, but for the bitch that was for afterwards bitch, yes. and, and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I've got to ask you this, because I'd love to know if it was true. Is it true that Tom Jones nearly played the part that Oliver Tobias played? Yes, that's who my sister and I wanted. And I don't know who put the kibosh on it um, or whether he felt that he couldn't act. He would have been great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know, because we all love Tom Jones. He could have done a bit of a song as well. Maybe he was too big of a star. Yeah. I know, yeah, because we, it was a small budget film. I think it was made for half a million pounds, which is nothing. I got paid. But, but I also pennies. read it made 20 million pounds. So yes. it was a small budget film, but it gave a hell of a return. I know, and try and get a penny from it. My sister and I were always talking about the fact, have you received the cheque? Have you received any residuals? Have you read nothing? No. <laughs> but those, those films then, like the, the, the Stud followed by the bitch, massive com commercial successes, but must have been a point of bravery for you because they were regarded in many people's eyes as soft porn. There was a lot of... A lot of sex in it. There was a lot of revealing yourself, and that's 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 out on one level for anyone to consider. But somebody who's a mother of three kids, 
somebody who who's regarded by some people as a, an old at that stage even yeah. an older actress. Yeah. That was a brave thing to do. Did you see it as brave or did you see it as well, just something just, you had to do? I just seen Glenda Jackson frolicking around in the nude. I'd just seen Julie Christie uh, and God knows who it was quite accepted in in the in the seventies mid-70s for actresses to take off their clothes. I mean, did you remember Julie Christie and Donald Sutherland in Don't Look Now? Was that what it, the yeah, Mick Rogue yeah, yeah. film? I mean, they had... Everybody thinks that they really did it. And they, nobody has ever said. But we... I certainly didn't with Oliver Tobias, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as an actress, did you feel that it... it, it that point when you were... In Rada, and people were saying, don't go into films, go into theatre. All of a sudden, you're doing something that's a commercial success. Did you feel like I've gone so far away from why I wanted to be an actress? That no, I perhaps no, I never it? felt that because I realised um, that um, as an actor, you do not get the pick of the product. It's a very few actors that get that. You are lucky to be working. 90% yeah. of actors are out of work. I was working, I was getting paid very well. Um, I was, you know, doing, uh, you know, I had done also some quite fabulous commercials with Leonard Rossiter, which, you know, had made people liked a lot. And um, I didn't, um, it didn't worry me. I didn't well, think about that. I thought one day I'll go back to the theatre. And of course I did. Yeah. Yeah. But when you said that, Leonard Rossiter, th this, I remember this, these series of commercials because uh, they were the first time that I, I in, in my memory anyway, that I'd seen someone, because Len Roster we knew brilliantly from the, yeah. the telly and I, and I knew you actor. obviously as a movie star and we think, it's the first time I'd seen celebrities in an advert for a product that was also just funny. Yeah. When you, as you say, I was gonna say reinvented yourself, but I suppose, to explain, you did through the sudden the bitch. The next thing that came along, which is something we cannot talk to you about without without talking about dynasty, they was of its time when I suppose a challenge had been thrown down by Dallas, and then obviously other um, producers said, "Let's try and beat them." Yeah. They come out with this with. with um, and we did. Not until you arrived, because the first series True. didn't. The first yeah, series was down there and then Alexis was brought in. Yeah, they were going to cancel it. It was about to be cancelled. And when my agent called and said, you know, uh, they want you for Dynasty, I said, what is that, a Chinese restaurant? You know, because <laughs> it yeah. was, yeah. And um, he said, no, he said they want you um, probably six weeks in California. Six weeks turned into nine years. And a hell of a nine years. Yeah, it was a hell of a, hell of a ride, that one, yeah. Yeah, you because know, uh, I've read various statistics about it, various figures, okay. one being that, you know, at one stage it was getting watched by 150 million people a week because yeah. it was syndicated around the world. Yeah, I know. So that th this was the thing, you, you, you take your, your career at the start and then you take your period where you've been married, you had kids, and then the stud brings you back to a new audience, but this pushed you to superstardom. I know. Did you have any reservations when they came up with you with the character? Because it was going into television. It was going into oh, a television no. soap. No, I thought that character uh, was fabulous. I saw all kinds of opportunities to make that character 
really interesting and amusing and uh, chic. It was, I was very determined that she was going to be the best dressed woman on TV. And I said, this woman, she's got to be an Yves Saint Laurent in Dior and all of that. Oh, so, unbelievable. I mean, I the production helped. values, even watching it again, like I, I was doing yeah. over the last week, the production values are massive. Uh, they were amazing. All the flowers were real. Um, the caviar also was real. <laughs> Only the top bit, though. <laughs> Underneath it was fish eggs. But this is it. It was, it, it was a complete escapism. You know, the storylines. Yes. Oh, sure, but people loved it. No. But what's wrong with escapism? That's what the movies were when I was a child. You know, that's what Gene Kelly doing Singing in the Rain, Fred Astaire, or Judy Garland, you know, it's, it's, that's what that was. I think people need more of that now. We're living in a horrible, horrible time. Yeah. You know, I think the world is just really terrible, quite. I'd never, my long life, have never felt as badly about the world as I have now. But um, I think we need more escapism. I think that's why these variety shows, you know, with people singing and dancing, become so yeah. popular. I mean, stuff like that, as you say, does does provide a degree of escapism, but not on the scale of uh, of Dynasty because it was it was a show where people it became number one, as you say. Yeah. Dallas was out there; it, it took over, but it, and it escalated you to superstardom yes. and all the publicity, but also during that time when you're providing other people with escapism, you're going through your, your, your own traumas as well. I was, yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, my daughter had had a very serious accident and was recovering, uh, which was a very long, long process. So she was with me and uh, unfortunately, because of the stress and the strain of the whole thing, uh, my uh, husband um, became addicted to drugs and that destroyed our, destroyed our marriage. Um, I'm very anti-drug. I'm very pro-marriage, but I'm very anti-drug. I think it is the destruction of civilization, quite frankly. But, you know, I'm a very prissy person. People yeah. don't think that, but I am in a lot of ways. Now... Every time we get someone on the show, we always ask them to bring one photograph, which is important to them. And I think with we, we your life, I don't know how many photographs you, you, you could have picked from, but this is, this is the photo that you've brought in. Just talk yeah. us through the picture and why well, you picked it. Well, this was um, a Christmas card in uh, 1981, I think, and... It features my three children, Tara, Sasha, and my youngest, Katie, who had literally come back from the dead because she was in a horrific uh, motor accident and she wasn't expected to pull through. And she did, and she's there with her sister, beautiful Tara, and handsome Sasha, and to me, that was our little family at that time. I always send pictures, of family pictures at Christmas, you know, with the children or whatever. But this one was especially, and as you say, I've got a zillion pictures, so it was difficult to choose one. But I, I do think that's um, rather special. Yeah. 
when you talk about this whole world that people will perceive you to be in and the glamour and, and as you say, you've got to separate the characters you're often played to the person that you are and the traumas that you've been through with relationships and so on, there can't be anything more important than being a mother and, and, and when you are close to, to losing a child as you were. Does that just change your perspective on everything? Do you just step back and go, you know what, all of this is just bullshit. I, can't, I don't care what the press writes about me. I don't care about no. anything else. I don't care. I might care for one second, yeah. you know, when I read it. No, absolutely. Health is the most important thing and the health of your children is more important than anything. And when you are close to losing a child, it is the most devastating. It is every parent's nightmare. It is the nightmare that you think can never happen. And I'll never forget my son saying to me, I can't believe that she ran into the road when you always used to say, you look left, you look right, you look left again and hold my hand. You was drummed that into us. Anyway, that was then and this is now and she's yeah. fine. Where were you at the time? I was in Paris. Unfortunately, and my and this is before cell phones, and it was quite terrifying because um, they forgot where we were, and I got the call at two fifty in the morning. My brother Bill called me, and it was ghastly beyond belief, horrific, and my father, who represented Roger Whittaker then, yeah, because there was no way out of Paris until you, until like an eight o'clock plane, and. They said she wasn't good, probably wasn't expected to live. And my father contacted Roger, who he knew had a plane, a small plane. And Roger Whitaker sent his plane for us, and Roger Whitaker flew us back across the channel to see Katie in the hospital. Yeah, it's, well, it's I difficult. I don't like to think about it too much. No. It's always difficult, isn't it? But, but as I say, sometimes it brings things in perspective into perspective about what's important in life. And, Absolutely. And for me, meeting me you and spending this time with you, it just, it resonates outside of the glamour that there's such a big heart inside and a strength because you've been through all kinds of stuff, some we've touched on, some that we haven't touched on, that would have broke many people. <laughs> yeah. Listen, John, honestly, I could talk to you all night because, again, I feel, in some respects, we've, we've talked about your life and then I feel we've almost started talking about your life because it's so multi-layered and interesting and inspiring. And, and I think we'd all agree that was a hell of a conversation. Ladies and gentlemen. Thank thank you. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by UK TV Play, the free on-demand service. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.